0: Let's bring in our next guest, Scott Bauer, the CEO of Prosper Trading Academy, is joining us this morning. Scott, welcome. Happy Tuesday. And you too. I wanted to begin with uh, what we're seeing here in terms of crude oil prices this morning. The WTI to 101.53. You've got the Brent to 104.60. I mean, anytime you see uh, crude elevated to this extent, it's going to weigh on sentiment. I guess I'm wondering, is that's what's uh, impacting the indices this morning?
1: It, it is plus more uncertainty about, you know, the news that we saw this, this big caravan, if you will, heading towards Kiev. Uh, so just more uncertainty about uh, what's going on there. And, and, you know, also the fact that the talks yesterday between the two countries didn't really seem to, uh, you know, do anything whatsoever. So, yes, this is definitely adding volatility to the marketplace. You see crude on, a, on the big rise like that. Nobody likes that. The markets don't like that. Um, quite frankly, Ben, you, you know my position on this. I have been selling every rip that we have seen in crude because it seems to me that we get these rip higher rips higher, and then we back off a little bit, rips higher, back off a little bit. And until that pattern stops, I'm going to continue the same way of approaching it as I have been
0: scott um... in terms of this you know it seems to have this kind of snowball effect as you mentioned um... Uh, again there's multiple sort of uh, um, components to this rally that we've seen and uh, i mentioned again it sort of weighs on sentiment but now as we have Uh, We haven't really focused too much on the demand narrative. It's been mostly to the geopolitical tensions and the premium that brings into commodities in general, not just crude, which we'll get into a couple of the other products in a minute. But um, we've got masks coming off for the most part across the U.S. here right now. I've never seen restaurants as crowded as I have over the last week or so Uh, in two years now, it seems like. Uh, You've got, well, it's not necessarily right around the corner, but soon thereafter, the summer driving season ultimately, it seems like there's going to be, again, sort of more – fuel to the fire so to say in terms of our Bob gasoline prices on the rise I mean ultimately that's what we really feel it uh, and again at the pump and uh, um, I mean it doesn't seem to I don't see any end in sight I guess is my point
1: I don't either but we know how fast this situation can change and and yes all those things that you said are true. and people want to be back out there and moving around again we've got the summer driving season just around the corner but it's really the the tension, the geopolitical tension that mm-hmm. gives the the immediate huh. impact on, on the upside and the downside here. But, yes, the trajectory absolutely is still to the upside. You've yep. got OPEC tomorrow not likely to change their plan whatsoever, um, which obviously is not going to help things. On the other side of the fence, you've got maybe the Iranian nuclear deal. Mm-hmm. If, uh, something does come through with that that's going to add a million barrels a day. To the marketplace, and you've also got all the talk still about, you know, strategic oil reserves or strategic mm-hmm. petroleum reserves, excuse me. And you know, let's see what happens there. But you're right, Ben. People wanna be out. The demand is there, right? The demand is there. So when you when you combine the massive demand with potential supply disruptions, that's why you see yeah. this volatility.
0: Yeah, I've been telling our viewers, uh, don't get tunnel vision here, or too focus on a hundred-dollar barrel of oil right now. I mean, some other uh, uh, sort of production or pipeline destruction, disruption, ultimately could spark prices. We could see hundred and twenty. Uh, if that would happen. But, Scott, you mentioned you've been selling the rips, and if so, ultimately, I imagine you've been fast in terms of buying some of the dips. As we have seen pullbacks, again, it hasn't been only to the upside. The intraday volatility has provided a bit of a two-sided trade. But if we were to see some of that geopolitical premium come out of the market, where do you see it going back down to? I mean, do you see $80 a barrel oil again? If we were to see uh, some of those tensions ease, some of these diplomatic talks uh, uh, gain some uh, ground here, ultimately, and potential some of those off-ramps become a little bit more apparent? you see it down to 70? I mean, when you talk about uh, some of the potential room to the downside here, what are you looking for?
1: I, I think 90 is really the the kind of equilibrium, quite okay. frankly, not just because it's a big round number. Okay. Maybe we get into the eight handle. But I think for all the things that you said, the the other reasons why, oil probably should be 80 plus a barrel. But I do think there's probably a 10 to 12 percent premium in there right now for geopolitical tensions.
0: Let's talk about some of the other products uh, that we keep an eye on in terms of some of these geopolitical tensions uh, uh, impacted from the dollar as well, which doesn't seem to be as big of a factor recently as the dollar's been rallying. Some of these commodities have been as well. But, for example, gold, uh, some major intraday swings last week, a big move up, just shy of that 2000 level. The bulls ultimately want 2100, the all time highs uh, to get recaptured there. What are you looking for in terms of metals, specifically gold?
1: That's another one that that you and I have talked about that I've been selling every rip higher. And and I wouldn't say they've been rips higher, but they've been moves higher because fundamentally you would think that gold should be at those twenty one hundred levels, right? As the ultimate risk asset, if you will. Gold should be at twenty one hundred. Why isn't it at twenty one hundred? Is it because of cryptocurrencies? Is it because of other commodities? There there's a, a myriad reasons why it's not but it should be, so that's why I have been in the same camp there of selling every opportunity I can.
0: Taking a quick look here, we're looking at uh, uh, some of the five-minute price activity right now, some of the intraday swings, but I want to take a hourly look at this because, again, gold has been and continues to be trending higher. Uh, and we have seen some intraday swings, to say the least. Move the move here from 1785 up to 1976, and then just a quick look here at the bigger picture. You can see the weekly, and here's that all-time high up around 2100. Scott, when we're talking about uh, crude oil on the rise, ultimately uh, prices at the pump that does feed into the inflation discussion. But I- again, this is widespread right now. We were talking about it earlier in the show. You've got grains, for example, the impact that Russia plays out there as far as uh, uh, the the wheat, you know, and and some of the. Production That they have. I mean, uh, uh, ultimately, it's across the board, not just wheat, corn, beans as well. We're seeing it in uh, some of the metals, for example. So, again, that snowball effect that we were talking about and the compounded aspect of some of these factors that we have playing on commodities in the inflation discussion and weighing on sentiment. I mean, uh, it's widespread. The tentacles kind of are are far reaching.
1: Oh, yeah, pick your poison, right? You you can look at the grains, you can look at the other metals like palladium, but talking about the grains wheat up nine percent again just this morning corn and, and soybean up almost five percent each this morning and and quite frankly though when you break that down the world trade on wheat is greater than for all other crops combined wow and you know we we saw prices reach their nine-year highs last week Russia Russia is the third largest producer after China and India Ukraine is the ninth largest so when you combine the two of those that's 25 percent of the world's wheat production, and almost a third of all global exports. So it's easy to see why that pressure is massively to the upside. I think they're going to take out those recent highs that we saw across the board, whether it's wheat, soybean, corn, and that I don't see abating anytime soon. I look at that a little bit differently than I do from the oil, from the energy complex. I think that because of The massive amount of consumption worldwide in the grain space that we need on a day-to-day basis, that's something people cannot go without. I think that upside trajectory just stays in place here. Scott, we
0: were talking uh, before we brought you on about uh, how the Fed was going to have to navigate these murky waters tied to everything we've discussed, whether it be commodities or energies, I should say, on the rise, some of these grain markets uh, prices at these elevated levels. Ultimately, uh, that's a factor for the U.S., but it's a factor for the ECB to consider as well. I mean, uh, again, we've got a meeting coming up soon there. The euro currency, for the most part, is faring pretty well. But, I mean, Europe being uh, Russia and Ukraine's uh, nearest neighbor, ultimately the Western world, uh, Europe being their nearest neighbor, uh, this is uh, maybe even more so an issue for them to consider.
1: Central bankers are at, around the world are absolutely being put to the test right yeah. now. Yeah. I almost think it's a little bit easier for Powell and the Fed here to, to navigate the next meeting by going 25 basis points. They hey. can absolutely justify that. People, the market have accepted mm-hmm. that we are going to get that rise. Should they go 50? Not in this environment. Hey. If they did, would it be a massive shock? Probably not. 25 is the safe one for them. But you look at the EU, you look at other central bankers around the world, and their, their hands are probably tied more than the Fed is.
0: OK, probably not a massive shock, Scott, but we were kind of just talking about with JB and sort of hinted on the uh, topic, the subject, the idea that it, the biggest uh, focus here shouldn't necessarily be the first rate hike, whether it's a quarter or 50. It should be more how okay. far down the road, how long this continues, correct? And, and where ultimately, the last rate hike people focused on.
1: No, no doubt about it. And that's why I think that the move in a couple of weeks at the March meeting is the easy one.
0: Yeah. Okay, point taken.
1: E- e- either one. That's the easy one. It's the rhetoric. OK, are we going to get seven or nine or 11? What what is their dot plot? Where, where do they see this going? That is where, you know, what what may totally move the market one way or the other. And I think they just have to proceed unbelievably cautiously at this point
0: you know we're looking at this chart again here Scott we'll let you get out of here but I was noticing this morning crude oil still continuing higher normally crude and the TNX the TNX and this purple line track each other very closely you can see that now they do diverge at times but here's one of those times you can see again rates have come off tied to some of these geopolitical uneases and unknowns in terms of the impact it could have on global economies and central bankers as you were just mentioning while the geopolitical premium still apparent here in terms of this run up in crude oil again the WTI overnight to 101.53 hey Scott Scott, thanks for sharing part of your Tuesday with us. Always appreciate Thank you, it. Thanks to you, Scott. Scott Bowers, the CEO of Prosper Training Academy. You can
1: check him out there.